0: Welcome to Union Power Coaching, piecing purpose and strength together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Union Power Coaching podcast with me, Mike Turnpenny, where each week we take on a new topic where we discuss ways to live happier, healthier and more productive lives, I hope you've all had a very, very happy, healthy and productive week since the last podcast, since the last meditation and that everything is on course, that you're working towards. I know that this time of year, it doesn't feel like we're heading towards the end of the year, but we are in many ways. So it's good to start kind of uh, putting those things on the map, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit uh, whilst remaining present, of course, but trying to work out what's upcoming and what we need to focus our attention on Which brings me to today's subject, which is how we can prioritize better. But before I get to that subject, please, as always, don't forget to click like, subscribe and share. It means so, so much. And also check out the Union Power Coaching Instagram at Union Power Coaching, where you'll see yoga posts, coaching posts, meditation posts, ice baths uh, and maybe some funny things as well. So please do like, share, subscribe and check us out on social media. Thank you ever, ever so much. So without further ado, today's podcast is six ways how we can prioritise better. And the first one I want to discuss is think about when things are happening to establish the natural order things should be done in. And the reason I say this is because when we focus on the quantity of things we have on our plate and maybe how overwhelmed this can make us feel, we're basically just adding more water to a situation where we feel like maybe we're already drowning a bit as it is. So when we're giving equal importance to to everything and we treat each individual task as if it will require the same effort, the same dedication, the same time investment, we're not giving ourselves an opportunity to stop and actually strip back each thing individually, stripping it back to the bone to see how much effort is really required to, I guess, like successfully manage and complete this task. So according to Mel Robbins, who I recommend you check out on social media, on YouTube, she's a great author. She has a book called the five second rule, and it basically says how it takes five seconds for us to get into this zone. By interrupting our mindset, by interrupting our thought processes, by stopping and counting back from five down to one, we break this chain and we move on to a calmer, clearer way of thinking. And when we do this, we begin to see each thing with fresh eyes and we see each thing a little clearer and we see what needs to be done to actually finish each task and also how long really it's going to take us because everything will take different amounts of time because just because task A needs to be finished sooner doesn't mean we have to do it first because for example let's imagine task a is preparing our lunch and the coffee pot for tomorrow morning this isn't going to take a lot of time it's not going to take a lot of thought so really we can look ahead maybe at task b that needs to be completed by the end of the week but there's a lot more complexities a lot more details so we can be making some inroads in task b and not worry so much about task a i'll give you another example here like I'm flying to do my yoga teacher training in Santa Marta in Colombia in a few weeks' time. And I'm also moving back to Costa Rica in a few months' time. So naturally, there's, of course, a lot more details involved with moving back to Costa Rica that I can be ironing out now already and crossing things off my list before I start worrying about packing a backpack for a a trip to Santa Marta in a few weeks. Packing a backpack will not take much time and not take much effort As long as I've got my passport, it's all going to be okay. So I can not completely put it off, but I can start thinking about the projects and upcoming things that will take a lot more of my time and a lot more thought. So as I say, it's not like to neglect or to forget the upcoming and approaching things. It's to say that we need to first analyse the details of what's coming up to see what's going to be more time consuming. Because if the first upcoming task is something super, super simple that can be done really quickly. I'll give you an example, like maybe sending an email at work, then great, get it done. Like absolutely get that sent, get it off our minds to move on. But if it might take a little bit more time, a little bit more effort, it's okay to jump ahead a little bit and then come back to it a little bit later. And the last point on this section is like, when maybe we have other people involved that are needed to help us do something, especially something maybe more detailed, we need to factor this in. We need to realise that we are relying on other people. In my case, for example, organising transport for moving, um, coordinating with our landlord, our move out date, things like this. These types of things, it can come back to bite us if we're not ahead of things, if we're not prepared. We need to make sure we're aware of these and get on top of them. We need to make sure that we're on top of them so that we're not underneath them. You know, <laughs> So if there's lots of complexities and we're not completely in control of a situation... We need to be more focused on them because when, when it's just us we rely on, that's much simpler. We can focus on what we need to do and get it done. But if we need to start coordinating other people's help and factoring in and respecting other people's time, that's something to kind of get ahead of the game on. Analyze the situation and what and who is involved and organize them in the best and most productive way that we can. Number two is to be aware of distractions, but not to indulge in them. So by acknowledging that we've got things coming up or things that might crop up, I should say, and things that might distract us, we are less likely to be surprised or thrown off when this actually happens. But as I say in the in the title of this one, it's not so that we can seek them and indulge in them, because it's really easy to do that. It's really easy to find those excuses to to stop doing something. Especially now, because these days we're we're so I guess we're we're surrounded by distractions. Most of what we do is with computers or some kind of device where there are so many built-in distractions. And I guess it would be like taking a child to a park with all of their friends and saying, hey, now we're here, sit down and do your maths homework quietly. It's going to take a lot of willpower to do that. And it's not really likely it's going to happen. And as adults, we're very similar with regards to checking news, checking social media, YouTube videos, cat videos, whatever it might be we all have these distractions around us. So we have to be really, really careful because another distraction as well can be something simple. Like we're working on something, we get a phone call or maybe someone comes to our house. We need to realise that there's nothing wrong with politely telling someone that we haven't got long because we're in the middle of something. And this is a distraction that we can easily indulge in and we can stop doing something because, you know, I can't possibly send somebody away. I can't possibly tell someone I'm busy. And interestingly, statistics have shown that 52% of people say they feel disturbed and distracted by other people at work. This is something that we, as a colleague, can also remember. We can think twice before asking someone a question because maybe it's not urgent. And in hope, they will give us the same respect in the future by maybe not asking us things that might disturb or distract us. Number three, create a checklist Checklists are a really great way of removing thoughts from our head and putting them down onto paper to remove that heavy feeling that we have when we think we've got so much to do. Very often as well, we realize that when we do this, when we make a checklist, that certain tasks can actually be paired up with each other and they can be done one after another. They can be done simultaneously. It's a really good way as well to help us with point number one that I mentioned about finding that natural order Because when we make that checklist, we can see things individually and assess how much effort is required when we can see them on paper. We're also less likely to forget the smaller details where we have a point-by-point list as well. Because if you think about, for example, a shopping list, we could probably, by memory, through habit, pick up most of what we need every week without a list, without problem. But if there's something new or maybe specific that we want to buy, we're probably going to forget it if you've not got it written down. I've lost track of how many times in the last couple of weeks I forgot to buy smoked paprika because it wasn't on my list. The struggle really, really is real. So the last point on checklist that I'll share is that we can also identify when we make a checklist where we can perhaps delegate other tasks to other people, be it professional or home chores and tasks. As an example, if my wife's out and about, she can get things for me that I was going to go out for or vice versa. Or maybe a friend or family member is also going to be going to the chemist to pick up their prescription. They can pick up ours as well. We can better manage things when we can see them and get a feel for them. Get a feel for what's entailed with them. So get a pen, get a piece of paper, start checklisting. You won't regret it, I assure you. Number four on the list is single tasking. Quite simply, single tasking will improve our performance. If we're doing one job whilst thinking about another one or trying to do another one at the same time, we are far more likely to make mistakes and far more likely to produce under-par or subpar work. So when we think we might be being clever and we're saving time by doing two or more things at once, we're not really because when the standard of the work isn't going to be that good, it's going to take us a lot more time going back over it, fixing it, starting again, changing it, than it would have taken us time to just focus 100% on one thing and then move on to another thing. When we start mixing them together, it's going to cause us more headaches down the line. And I can give you an example of this. A few years ago, I was having some maintenance done in my house and the the boss of the, of the company, the boss of the maintenance company, who was an electrician, he decided to get his colleague, who is more of a general maintenance guy, to hang a door and install a new plug socket. Long story short, they blew up the plug socket and my washing machine in the process. And it took them nearly two weeks to fix the problem and cost them a lot of money repairing the washing machine. So focus on one thing at a time, dedicate your time to it, do it to the best possible standard and don't cut corners and don't blow up washing machines. Multitasking will cause a lot of stress. It will decrease our motivation. It will cause a rapid burnout. Interestingly, research has shown that multitasking not only lowers our productivity, but it can also lower our IQ. Another interesting fact is it's been shown that 25 minutes of work followed by a five-minute break is also going to bring us far better results. Number five is to review our progress. And this step I think is really important because when we review our progress, it can inspire us because we see how much we've got done. Or alternatively, it can motivate us to get back on track to start getting more done if we've been procrastinating or we've kind of slipped off that rail a little bit. It's also highly likely that we're going to spot things that we've completed on our checklist that we haven't crossed off yet when we review what we've done. So we, we can be reducing tasks at the same time as reviewing them as well. Unlike when we were children where we were rewarded and acknowledged for like every little thing we did. As adults, we don't really get that unfortunately. Only 15% of people said they felt engaged in their job and just 10 people said they felt motivated at work. And this comes from a lack of thanks, a lack of acknowledgement, as this was proven because 81% of people said having their effort and work recognised or reviewed by their boss encourages them to work much harder. So due to this, we often have to take on that role of being our own number one fan sometimes. We can review our progress with a critical eye, but we also recognise our achievements and progress a lot more and these feelings that come with it. Because being self-critical creates different emotions to when someone else is critical of us. When we assess ourselves, we know every in and every out of what we've done up until this point. What we've done well, what we've put effort into, what we could have done better, where maybe we were a bit lazy or where we procrastinated... We have the ability to be honest with ourselves and respect ourselves when we self-critique because we know it's based on accurate interpretations of what we've done, be it good or bad. So reviewing and assessing ourselves is lastly a really good way to keep that ego in check and build up a a far better self-awareness, which is going to benefit us in so many different ways down the line. And finally, point number six is to reward ourselves upon completion of things. In my case, maybe you agree, it can sometimes feel a bit silly rewarding ourselves, you know, like, but it has such a positive effect on us. And it's also really, really good for our mental health to do this. If you think about it, well, we will put ourselves down for things that we wouldn't notice if someone else did due to our own low self-esteem. And equally, we won't reward ourselves for something where we would maybe take someone out for dinner to congratulate them for having done. Receiving rewards releases dopamine and reinforces to us that certain behaviours are worthwhile and that the investment we put into things is equally worth it. Dopamine has been shown to help us sleep better, have happier memories, and regulates our appetite and our mood as well. So in short, it's, it's pretty helpful and a pretty good thing to, to encourage and to cultivate. So don't deny yourself, or others for that matter, of a reward when it's deserved. By acknowledging our effort to see something through from start to finish, is going to help us be more focused in the future and avoid and fend off these distractions and procrastinations. As an example, how many times have you said to someone before something like, it was worth it, wasn't it? Don't you see? Like, well done. We say things like this to plant that seed of perseverance, that seed of encouragement to help people we care about believe in themselves and believe in their capabilities by doing this as well for ourselves we're giving ourselves the greatest gift of all which is self-confidence and that belief that we can achieve whatever we focus our minds on so it's really important that we start now really scattering as many of these seeds as we can as often as we can to let these positive habits grow in abundance So there you have it, my six ways to help us prioritize in a better way, a more productive way. Please let me know through social media how you prioritize or which of these points you're going to start trying to incorporate into your daily routines at unionpowercoaching.com on Instagram. Please like, share, subscribe, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, to this channel to keep up to date with the podcast and the meditations Thank you so much once again for coming back for this episode. I wish you a very, very happy, healthy week. Focus on your priorities and all will be well. Until next time, take it easy. Goodbye. For more details about transformation coaching, mindfulness, and yoga classes, please visit unionpowercoaching.com.